the businesses themselves fail 93% of the time to get any value from technology. Wow. As insane as it is, in, in financial services, $480 billion a year in tech spend just in the biggest companies, and 93% of those are failing to deliver any value, whether it's a vendor or whether it's in-house. And uh, you look at that and you basically see the lost promise. It's really why we call the company Uncork, which is how do we help companies uncork what's great about this and their competitive advantage. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Why is it that so many big transformational projects at large financial companies fail to move the needle? My guest today is Gary Hoberman. In his previous role as the CIO at MetLife, he led large digital initiatives across silos and geographies. As the founder and CEO of Uncork, Gary has a bold vision for building financial apps of the future. No coding required. His platform enables the people in an organization who understand the business best to develop software without any programming. His customer pipeline of some of the biggest banks and insurers in the world continues to grow, and he's just off a financing round led by Goldman Sachs. Gary joins me to discuss the obstacles in large-scale financial software development and how a no-code platform like Uncork enables what he calls the DIY enterprise. He also shares how he's scaling with people, new clients, and products. Gary Hoberman is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Uh, hi, Zach. I'm Gary Hoberman, CEO and founder for Uncork. Um, I had spent uh, 24, 25 years living the dream in the corporate world, climbing the ladder, probably one of the fastest within Wall Street, and then becoming a EVP and in charge of 10,000 developers in 47 countries until went ahead and said, we've got to fix this and create it on Quark. Um, so, what were, so what were you fixing, Gary? I'm curious. Yeah, so I mean, I, my whole background is I'm a hacker. I'm, I'm literally like, I, I definitely had, had the privilege. Right? Yes, I, I had the privilege of, uh, my father had his own publishing business that he had till he passed away for 35, 40 years. And what it meant was I was playing on punchboard machines and for, mm -hmm. writing Fortran in seventh grade and eighth grade and winning awards for programming. And I loved the idea that you could create anything, the art of the possible with code and what you could actually make it do. And I had spent the last 24, 25 years trying to actually deliver business value for Fortune 50 companies where I worked. And it's an amazing concept to say business needs something. And how do you deliver that to them so that they could drive value for shareholders and for customers and really change the industry and change the world? And that was my, that's always been my vision. And when I say fix it, and what Uncork does is fix it, is the businesses themselves fail 93% of the time to get any value from technology. As insane as it is, in financial services, $480 billion a year in tech spend just in the biggest companies, and 93% of those are failing to deliver any value, whether it's a vendor or whether it's in-house. And uh, you look at that and you basically see the lost promise. It's really why we call the company Uncork, which is how do we help companies uncork what's great about this and their competitive advantage? And how do we actually help fix the industries and fix these companies to deliver value before we get into the state of disruption and array, which is going to be the worst for all shareholders and customers combined. So I know you're alluding to it, but like, can we, can, before we jump into Uncork, can you talk to me about the cork piece? What, what is the piece about corporate um, um, tech that, that somehow, you know, corporations are full of, of very smart, very talented people. Why, why doesn't it, why do, why do projects fail to provide value? Yeah, and I've, uh, this is my seventh platform build within enterprise scale. And what I've always seen is this idea of 
not understanding what's your competitive advantage in the marketplace. And that's the CEO's goal. So the CEO of these large banks and insurance companies and even public sector as we enter it, they, they actually have to drive what's important for them, the organization drives to, and it can't be five things. There's gotta be two or three things. And the idea that a corporation is gonna be great at code and attract the best developers and create the best software and platforms for everything, 100% of what they need, is misguided. The idea would be a corporation should be incredible at something that differentiates them, while 90 to 95% of the technology work they're doing today in their companies has no benefit to their shareholders or employees or companies. And it's how do you get those engineers focused on what they need to focus on? And the whole goal has always been build platforms. My, my first Platforms Act was um, in Bankers Trust in 1994. I was asked to basically create a money transfer screen uh, back in the day in Visual Basic days, I think 3.0 even, SQL Server. And instead of building a screen and hard coding a screen, I created a platform that generated all screens. And this is predecessor to all the technology we know today. And that actually became within six months the core private banking platform for every transaction from every trade to fixed income. And uh, that was the first platform. And I did it again at Smith Barney and City throughout my life. And it's always been deliver business value. And that's the CIO's job. That's the digital officer's jobs. How do you deliver value for your business faster? And in reality, the coding or bringing in the vendors or piecemeal, it's not working. And Jack, if you, if you want, like, I could give you the history of enterprise development in two minutes, if you're interested. <laughs> I, well, I, I'd, rather get, I'd rather jump quickly into Uncork. And, you know, you just, you just, like, sort of triggered something in me. I know, like, when the big, you know, the CEOs of big banks today say that, you know, they're, they're, they're technology companies because they have just as many uh, engineers as Facebook does. Like, I just, that's such a wrong metric. It has nothing to do with, like, how many people are coding. It has to do with, like, the products you're, you're shipping, right? And um, It's absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, Zach, there was a metric. I was in a meeting when a CEO of a business said to the head of infrastructure at a Fortune 50 company, um, I'd rather outsource all the infrastructure to someone who could do it better than you can. And this is before cloud. And instead of saying that's the right direction, because infrastructure should never be a competitive advantage for us. We shouldn't be good at it. Someone else should be great at it. You know, instead of doing that, they went back and proved that their cost of buying the 20,000 servers a year is better price point than anyone else in market. Wow. which has nothing to do with whether it's the right decision or not to make. So, so, so let's talk about Uncork. What is, fast forward from, from that uh, Banker's Trust platform that you built early on to Uncork. What does the Uncork platform do? Yeah, so we've come to the conclusion that the business doesn't know what they need until they're in production and feel it and see it, never before. So the, the days of, hey, business, we're building a house and you have to basically sign off on these blueprints and see where the windows are in the cabinets before we start construction because it's going to be a disaster if we have to move the window after it. And that's the waterfall methodology to the promise of vendor software has failed. And I would categorize all vendors into this space of promises that it will do what you need out of the box and then it never does and you get 70% there. And it's basically like prefab housing being installed. Yeah, the, the house is being in a factory and it's going to drop onto your lot and it's going to do everything you want business. The reality is it doesn't. And the 70% customization to make it do what they want leaves legacy and fragility and vendor lock-in, which is a disaster for all. It's what we call legacy. And then this third generation comes in. I would call that second generation two. Third generation is the promise of moving faster through agile. And I've yet to see agile work within any large deployment anywhere. 
And the promise of agile is interesting. It's like business. You and I are putting up the walls together. You know, here's a hammer. You're going to help me now put this in and let's go. And we're, you're at the table and you're helping us build this. And it's exciting and it's great. And the reality of agile is it gets to the MVP deployment, the minimal viable product. And the business is like, wait, wait, we can't go live. There's no second floor. Where, where are my kids going to stay? Where's the roof? Where's, where's the plumbing? And, and technology goes, don't worry. It's in the backlog. It's coming at a later date, which never comes. And, and so we kind of call that generation three. And so what we basically built with Uncork is the answer to all of those three to replace them. The answer is simple. It's business will never know if that house is right for them until they walk through it, until they see the light shining on the cabinets and the kitchen counter. And so the way to actually avoid any problems and recognize that is we need to move fast. Time to market's critical. You can't deploy a rules engine with a workflow tool to integrate it into your core system, to come back into your document generation system, to generate a PDF to get signed, to come out of your workflow, to come back in and code all that around it to integrate it. You have to be able to move fast enough that everything I just described could be done in one step, one place, one platform, and enable the person who knows the dimensions of that house best to be able to do the work and create the solution themselves instead of relying on translation of Word documents to requirements, to engineers, to code, to testing, to come back to see if it does what you want. So, so ground up, Zach, what we created is the first, what we call do-it-yourself enterprise system, which enables the person who knows what needs to be done best to deliver that without ever writing a single line of code. And, and a lot of people are saying, this is low code, no code, it's, it's finally here. The reality is we don't view, we view low code as a failure because if you're allowing them to inject even a script or tag, you're basically locking it in so all your clients are on different versions of the software, mm -hmm. which we will never allow. And if you do, so to us, no code is just an attribute. It's, you can't allow anyone to ever override your class or inject script or do anything. We need to be able to deliver the direct consumer channel, the operations channel, the call center, the reconciliation, the back office, everything you could ever imagine to power any single company's entire technology stack from top to bottom, we need to be able to deliver without writing a single line of code. And that's what we delivered with Encore successfully now. So I have a lot of questions. Uh, the first is you talk about um, empowering the person who knows best. Who typically, in your experience, is that person? What's his role? What does he look yeah. like or her role? Yeah, it's funny because I used to say um, it's enabling the business to drive their own technology destiny. And then the reality is we meet our clients and CIOs who know their value is delivering value. That's what their goal is, deliver value. It doesn't matter who does it, but they've got to deliver. And they see us as an accelerant where their team knows the business best. So in many cases, we'll meet with the CEO of the Fortune 100 companies and basically say, look, if your business knows what they need best, we literally can empower them to get to production in six to eight weeks for things that have been taking three to five years. That's, the, that's actually the scale we're working at. We did one use case for a bank where it was multiple years with hundreds of developers and we did it in three days with one person, exact equivalent. So like we understand this really well. Now, reality is it depends on the, the company's maturity. If I was, Zach, if it was me and I was CIO at MetLife, where I came from, or I was a managing director in Citi, I would tell you my goal was to know the business better than they did and know where they need to get to. So I would be the one to use on Clark, my team. But it all depends on the maturity of that organization. So essentially you build Uncork for yourself. 
So that's interesting. So I actually, Zach, the, the truth is in a first client pitch, what we tell the client is we built on Quark with a concept of, would we have kicked ourselves out of the office by now? Because I'm coming in and telling you, we will host, we don't offer on-premise. We're going to store all of your most critical confidential data in a way that you will trust us, your PII data, transactions, customers, Beyond the data, the most important thing we store is your business, your rules, how you operate, which never has been documented anywhere. And so we created the first ever single tenant instance, and we don't believe multi-tenant makes sense in the cloud environment anymore. So we created a single tenant instance where each customer has their own secured sandbox instance delivery mechanism where they own the data. There's no one commingled with them, no risks out there as we see with other vendors. And then what basically happens is, we built the most advanced DevOps around it to enable us to do simultaneous updates across multiple cloud providers in one click, where one version of an upgrade could have hit hundreds of instances across AWS, Azure, and basically at the same time upgrade all customers. So every customer, whether it's Goldman Sachs, who's in the news as one of our customers, multiple deployments, or whether it's Liberty Mutual for PNC, or whether we have life insurance, as we've, we've mentioned John Hancock and others, we have 20 of the biggest names as customers. And each of those has recognized the value of what we're able to drive, not just in the first use case we deploy for them, but in expansion across their entire portfolio. And, and our, our plan, Zach, and it's why, you know, the bold statement is we plan to be the only technology left in every company, wow. across industry. That is bold. So, so I think I understand the vision. Um, I guess I'm struggling a little bit to understand sort of, can you, can you help to bring the use cases down to, to, so I can understand or the listeners can understand, like you're sure. working with all these, you want to be the last, you know, the only provider of technology, but what, what, what are you doing? Like what, where do you start? Where do you end now? And what, what's the vision there? Sure. So let's take a use case and I'm going to, for the first time, I'm going to tell you that across financial services and insurance and banking and capital markets and asset management, they're all the same. They're all the exact same problem. And a going in point with any customer is you're special. Your needs are different than everyone else. Let's start with a blank slate. Okay. So let's, let's take account opening. Account opening in an insurance product, whether it's auto insurance and personal lines home and auto whether it's specialty insurance or commercial, whether it's life insurance and annuities or group insurance, whether it's a mortgage in a retail bank, or whether or not it's a institutional sales and trading account opening. They're all the exact same to us, which is who are you? Let me, what are you trying to do? What's the asset you're trying to risk assess? Let me do the underwriting and automatically score you and suitability and know your customer. And then let me integrate you into my core systems and onboard you. And then let, let me service you later. Let me actually walk you through and take care of your address changes and your adding beneficiaries. What I just described doesn't matter product or not. It's all the same. And what we started with was the most complex product of all is insurance. It is the one furthest behind because it's the one where there's 50 different states regulators telling you what to call that product, what questions you could ask, what questions you can't ask, what pricing you could do, what's the uh, commissions you could pay. Uh, that AIDS question is different in Florida than it is in New York. Mm. So we initially built the platform to solve insurance and basically enable insurance companies to replace their entire technology stack with something which is configurable where there's no more code. You basically just drag and drop. So, so visually, let me describe something to you. You could describe something like 
I'm going to drag a field in for social security number and another field for first name and last name. And I'm going to give you some properties of those two fields. So one field, you know, first name can't be above 50 characters because it's got to hit COBOL or assembler. And we have to integrate it back in. And you know what? When you enter in social security number, let me go ahead and get a credit check score for you. So you could drag in a plugin field. And a plugin field enables us to actually make external calls out of Onquark or inside Onquark to any system in the world. And basically allows us to actually retrieve data, which you could then act on. So if your credit score is below 650, let me ask you for your address. And if you enter your address and you live in New York, I need to actually look at the county within New York. So Nassau County. And all of those are business rules that when you're describing them the way I just did, you're thinking of building a form. And that's the way we start with, which is let's start with a customer's view out. And that's a form. Now, what I didn't describe to you was we were actually building an API. That was actually an API that you want to hit and pass it a social and a first name, a last name and a address. And based on the credit score and based on the county, you want to do a score of the customer. So when you created that in Uncork in one shot, two seconds, you basically were able to create the experience that we generate automatically, and it could be mobile, it could be desktop or iPad. And you also automatically created the API so that you don't need to go ahead and license an API layer to create integrations to the, third, the rest of the world. So we've replaced multiple components from the integration layer to the actual user experience layer to the rules engine. Now, reality is that first screen is just step one of the process. And so we have a workflow component. And we redefined from ground up how workflow should work. And we created a, a rules-based access control component that allows us to actually do the most granular rule definition, which is what enterprises need, to say, oh, when the customer sees that form, they shouldn't see social come back to them with a credit score. But when we see it, we should see the credit score because we're in operations. And everything I'm describing is then just built within minutes to the point that you know, we could build the, the equivalent of a mortgage application across 50 states within a few hours. Or we could create a commercial bank account opening within a week to be live in production. And it's, it's, when I'm giving these use cases, it's banking and financial services, but it expands every single industry that we start to enter as we've already started with public enterprise as well. Wow, that, that, that's so different than the way it's done today. And I guess, as you're saying to me, what, what's impressed upon me is like, it, it, it certainly sounds like it takes longer for a large financial institution to paper, put to paper the rules and all the, all the embedded knowledge that they have in all their systems than it does to actually get to, to build the, the, the actual workflows, right? It's exactly right. And our going in point is we've now seen it 20 times out of 20 clients. When they go to production, within a day or two, there's going to be a call to say, I'm really sorry, we, we missed something. The first client <laughs> back in 2017 said, we missed the commission system, not commission calculation for an advisor, <laughs> but system, we right? don't, the whole system. And within a week, we built their commission system from scratch, no code. Another client said, you know, we're getting feedback from our users, the customers that, you know, it's, it's actually, the workflow has to be nonlinear, which is a disaster for any customer to ever hear is we want them to be able to jump around. So they should be able to put in their address and jump back to this rule of, is it a single primary or second primary, like, and then jump back and forth. And so we built in the ability to do server side validations of data, which was critical. And when we build in a feature, 
it actually enables us to deploy that simultaneously to every single customer as a new feature that they could now use in their workflows and their processes and the way they build systems. And, um, and our going in point, Zach, is simple. Tell us your problems. It's, it's, you know, we had one client when we did the pitch, we had our introductory slide up there and we didn't even finish our introduction of who we are and the, the, the chief architect raised his or her hand and said, uh, do you use blockchain? And our answer was, no, we, we don't really like we're being trusted by the most, the, the biggest of the biggest banks in the world, the largest top 10 and the largest insurance companies. We have half the U.S. life insurers on Uncork, the top 10 life insurers. And like we're being trusted after all the reviews to actually store the most critical data and rules without the need to encrypt it in a different way, which is a risk in blockchain. So, no, it's an overhead that we're not using. And if somewhere down the road, we would be the ones to integrate into blockchain because we'll have the most critical data available to do it and the API calls to do it so we could do it. But, and then, then we ask the question, hey, CEO of the business, you know, what's, what's your biggest problem today? And the CEO said, faxes, get rid of the fax machines. And so just to show you the disconnect between technology and business. Insurance, by the way. It's insurance. Yeah. And so to show you like the disconnect is their entire business is running on faxes. Mm -hmm. And this idea that blockchain or AI or ML is coming to save the day means nothing to them. They're trying to say, how do you help me eliminate paper? So we built into Uncork paper ingestion and being able to actually inject paper as an integration point and export back paper so we could actually create it back if we have to. The necessary evil just to get rid of digital in the short term. And so, and that's been live since uh, 2018 as well. Gary, I want to go back to uh, um, some terminology used earlier in, in this interview. It was DIY enterprise. Um, can you explain what you mean by that? Because I know that's, that's part of the pitch that's essential, I guess, to understanding on Cork. I, I just, I, I could use some help understanding that, I think. Sure. So um, in technology, anyone that's in a technology leadership position today in the enterprise has been there for 20, 30 years. And there's been a promise this entire time of solutions that will come in to enable them to create their software faster. And in every single case, it has failed. It hasn't been able to scale to their, the volume that they needed, or it hasn't been performance that it could do the 500 millisecond response time our customers require. And in every case, there's been disappointment, no matter what software vendor or space you could think of. Um, you know, and that's basically the, the idea of DIY enterprise is, it's real. The idea is you don't need to write code anymore. And by the way, if you're a startup or if you're a Fortune 50 company, it doesn't matter. This software that we created ground up will solve every problem you could throw at it. The toughest calculation problems, the toughest underwriting actuarial models, the toughest workflow processes, it could throw at it. We haven't seen a single thing yet it can't do. We're excited about our first trading platform we're building now for one customer. And the goal is that we invest the time early on to take the risk. We'll say to a customer, we don't do RFPs or RFIs. We basically say, put us as a bake-off if you want. Give us a challenge. We'll build it on our own expense. And um, if you like it, great. Use it and pay us only for usage. If not, walk away. So this idea of DIY enterprise is it's the vision the business has been looking for for 20 years and technology has failed to deliver for them. And the idea is very simple. Number one, 
you can't allow code to be injected so that all clients are on the same version of the software. So from my point of view, it might look multi-tenant and it's not, but to the customers, it's trusted a single tenant, encrypted in storage and transit at rest data, everything they'd expect. But most importantly, it's our value proposition to the customers to say, stop paying for predictive value. And what I mean by that is the suffering that I saw throughout technology was, we're going to go ahead and commit $10 million or $50 million to purchase 10,000 licenses in advance of this great software to do whatever that might be, customer relations, let's call it. And then you go back a year or two later and you've deployed 10% of those licenses and 90% are sitting on the shelf being paid for. And I guarantee if we ever did a mark to market on software value within an enterprise, you'd find that it's not delivering the value set out to. And probably if there was any vendor like us saying, you know what, we're gonna only charge you for what value you've achieved. So we don't do proof of concepts, we do proof of value. And we basically say, you know, you're only gonna pay us if it gives you value. Forget if it works, if it actually delivers value to you. So we're trying to basically create an entire mindset that stop paying for predictive value if you have your technology team coming to you and saying, hey guys, you know what? We could do this better and cheaper and we could do it faster than anyone else out there, including on Quark, have them put their bonuses up as a uh, risk <laughs> if it goes over. Because uh, we are, I mean, that's absolutely what we're willing to do is to take that risk. And so I think we're, we're creating and we're seeing it already where we're hearing even internally in, um, so, so Zach, we, we classify customers as customers. We have 20 and we have 72 in pipeline of the biggest names imaginable all moving forward. And then we look at the actual other customers. We simply classify them as confused waiting leadership change. <laughs> and the goal is we don't have an enterprise sales team just yet. Soon, soon we will, but we've been going for the past two years without. And simple goal is if we meet someone and they say, I've got 10,000 developers. What are they going to do tomorrow? We won't meet them again until the leadership changes. And I was going to say, because the they, they must see you as competitive to their own internal IT departments, right? It all depends on the, um, you know, it's interesting. So the quality of our client's technology ability is kind of relation to how they fit within our pipeline chart. Mm. So, so the more capable a technologist is, the faster they see the value in Encore, the faster they adopt it, and the faster they see they're delivering value to their customers. The customers who we have on this confused, awaiting leadership change, technology itself is order takers to the business and fearful of their jobs and what they're doing because they're not delivering value. And so, so that's actually dimensions that we see and how we categorize customers. And, uh, and it's been incredible. So our story itself, I mean, we, we went for revenue before funding which is very unusual and we got it and not revenue from just one customer, but within six months we had revenue from four of the biggest names. In business. And that's priced, and that's priced as like a SaaS. It's a SaaS model where it's annual subscription or usage based, depending on transactions if they choose. So a life insurer might say, I'll pay you for every application you process. Mm -hmm. A PNC insurer might say it's percent of premium for specialty or for personal lines. And then, um, and then in the banking side, it's normally priced per application with unlimited use in that application. And our goal is like the more they grow their business, the more their revenue increases, the more our revenue goes up with them, which is a great place to be. It's value-based pricing. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, one of the things that, that I noticed um, about the Uncork brand and the messaging, the voice, um, it, 
decidedly reads not like a, a, a financial company. Uh, you go to the website and it, the, the, the text that you use there is, is it's, it's almost like talking to you in person. It's, it's fun. It's relatable. Um, it's real. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you, how you're, you've created that, that voice of brand and, and why you created it in a way that's so accessible? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, my, my whole goal was to fix and, and change the world. Like that's always been where it was. And I always thought you could do it from within a fortune. Small goals. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's never been, it's not possible was the conclusion I came to. And, and so when I left, you know, C-suite and left the um, corporate jet to zone five United where you're sitting on the bathroom and you can't even bring on a carry on bag. I didn't know that existed, but that's, that's apparently the new thing. It was the most fun I've ever had. And we left and my entire executive team that works for us, we sit open desks with everyone else. We have entire quote wall of all the tier one VCs and private equity and all the investors that basically said, you guys will fail. And we plastered it on a wall within our office. And most importantly, you know, when you climb the corporate ladder and I climbed pretty fast, I think I made MD at one of, one of the youngest MDs in, Wall Street. When I climb it fast, you know, it's interesting. You accomplish a lot. But when I think about what, you know, my dad did in creating a business from scratch that he had his whole life. And I always viewed him when I was a kid as able to accomplish anything, like able to do anything. So much so that my brother created his own business probably 15 years ago and is one of the best data modelers in the world and mm. has his own conferences. And my sister created her, her own law firm after climbing up to the top of the biggest law firms. So like, I actually wanted that for my kids. So, so, you know, my, my son, Spencer and Skylar and daughter, Rebecca, I wanted that where they could actually see something being created. And that same feeling I had when I was young and, and growing up where my dad could do anything. And I, that means I could be do anything. Uh, you know, they're seeing that firsthand now and they didn't see that in the corporate world. And so you could see the, the passion and excitement behind it. And, you know, when they come into my office, they're, they're the ones grabbing all the swag, like the new employees. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to see and what their capabilities are. Because, I mean, our whole goal is to make the world a little bit better place. And that's, that's what each of us has to figure out. How do we do? Uh, the technologists who are the ones that are the naysayers and say, oh, this is just another tool. And, you know, and we categorize them off to the side. Um, they will eventually be replaced. And, you know, there's no question in my mind that that's going to happen, whether it's a CEO change or the customers shift business to another competitor, it will happen. So in the last um, question, we have time for one last question. Um, can you give us a little bit of insight into um, your product roadmap? How, you, I guess, what you're looking at the rest of 2019, what your big priorities are? Yeah, and it's an um, incredible journey as we just hit, I think, this week, 100 full-time employees and plus another 30 or 40 full-time consultants here. So um, the client demand is insane and incredible, and, um, and our revenue projections actually reflect that, which is amazing. From a product market point of view, we are um, investing the money that we raised with Goldman Sachs and extremely happy to have them. They're probably one of the best partners, and we had a choice of anyone you can imagine. Um, and we're investing this money to basically make the platform fully self-service where anyone, regardless of ability, could pick it up and build any application they could ever imagine. So it will become the platform of the newest startups. To, instead of hiring the CTO and the, the whole technology engineering team, start with this and see how far you could get. And I, I bet you'll get 100% there. 
so that's a huge investment in enablement and certifications as we're working with partners to certify them on the platform and help them use it. We also hired our first new vertical outside of financial services. So uh, while we have Rabi Remedi, one of the top people in financial services leading FS I've ever met in my life, um, we hired the equivalent of that in public enterprise. And our view of the world is we don't call it public sector, but Kaz Holloway, a newest senior member of my team, uh, basically joins us uh, from the Bloomberg administration and Bloomberg LP, and where he led most of the departments in New York City and most of the technologists and ops in Bloomberg. And basically a simple goal we have is trace the data back from financial services and you'll find it starts in public sector. So instead of us complaining about data quality after the fact, or instead of us asking for someone to enter it a second time, let's actually fix it at its source. And so, so Zach, the best, best thing I could tell you is, hey, Zach, you, you want to open up a restaurant in New York City. So what are you going to need? You need to find the space, and you're going to need to then do a building permit to enhance the space, and you're going to need to file a health inspection permit on that health inspection. But by the way, every one of those operations requires an insurance product and possibly a commercial loan. So what if we gave you, Zach, one place to enter your data on your plans and the permits? And what if we generated the permit applications at the same time as offering you the quote from general liability insurance for the construction or the surety products for your contractors or the actual commercial loan to do the work? And so we're basically capturing that at the source, connecting public to private, back to public. And from that point of view, these products, as we launch them, will change the world. It'll be where, you know, my son Spencer gets his permit, you know, in a few years and automatically it's going to text me and say, hey, because you used Uncork to fill out the DMV, would you like us to add him to your driver's license policy? Would you like to add him as a driver automatically instead of me having to take the initiative to call and give information? Or a birth is in a hospital and the birth certificate is generated in Uncork, which is what we could vision very quickly. And automatically, you could add that as a beneficiary or maybe open up a life insurance product for this baby. So all of it's connected. And so we, we actually do see the world as connected and tracing data back to its source. And we will drive that ourselves as we go forward with the right partners. Um, and it's an exciting place to be as we, uh, as we uncork the world, basically, from that point of view. Gary, it's been great learning about Uncork. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you, Zach, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you again.